I'm excited about the message God has. I'm excited about what I'm preaching. I thought we were done with this, but God's always in charge. So that's besides the point. Um, I'm going to pray for the tithes and offerings, the offering boxes in the back. If you have a tithe or offering, uh, you can put it in there. God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for our place in your family, that we're joint heirs with him. We thank you that you're the God who loves us and takes cares of us, takes care of us. God, and we ask that you would bless those who give and have a heart to give this day, that they would experience your provision, your love, your grace, your truth, your mercy. We thank you for this body here in Crawford, Nebraska. God, we pray that we would continue to be wise with what you've given us. We would sow into your kingdom and reap your harvest in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, I thought I was finished with my series on wilderness, um, but God kept me in the wilderness for one more week. Um, and it's an interesting place to start on Easter. Um, and it's gonna, you're going to have to give me a little bit of grace till you get to why I'm starting in the wilderness. Last week, Trevor preached. Uh, he was back in the book of Deuteronomy. This week, I'm starting in the book of Deuteronomy. I'm not sure a lot of Easter sermons start in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, but there's something in this message. We've been looking at this year in kind of the season preparing for Easter this encounter with Jesus where the Spirit of God leads him into the wilderness and the devil is there and the devil tempts him. And he tempts him three different times in three different ways. And we've looked at, at the temptations, the, the, the idea that, that Jesus needed to prove himself or the idea that he had to test God or, or just the idea that, that, that he had to do the easy thing, take the easy way out. And, and just these temptations, this wilderness, that seems to be something that translates to us today. And we looked at, because Jesus' encounter, you know what book he quoted every time he spoke to, to the enemy? What book he was quoting every time the enemy spoke to him with temptation? Guess what book it was? The book of Deuteronomy. So why not start back in the book of Deuteronomy? What's happening in the book of Deuteronomy is that Moses is addressing um, the, people of, the, the people of Israel. Uh, they've been in the wilderness for how long? Forty years. Jesus was 40 days. Um, they were there for 40 years in the wilderness, this wandering season of Israel. And this is a remarkable moment because Israel is about to go into the promised land, this land that, that God has promised them for a long time. Moses is not going to be able to go with them. He knows that. And so he's sharing that with them. I'm not going to be with you, but we're about to go into the promised land. And so he's encouraging them or he's teaching them some things. So Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8 is where we're going to be. Uh, it says, for the Lord, this is Moses talking to Israel. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vine and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will, la you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. I mean, it sounds like a good place they're going, huh? This is the promised land. This is where they're going. Uh, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and when you build fine houses and settle down, and when the herds, your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then... Your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God. He brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast, now listen to where they came out of. 
We just heard what was. There was going to be this water. There was going to be these fruit trees. There was going to be pomegranates. There was going to be iron rocks. There's going to be copper in the hills. You're going to have bread. Things are going to be good. Here's where we've been for the last 40 years. God brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness. That thirsty and waterless land. With its venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you out of hard He brought water, you water, out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Moses is describing to Israel the promised land. I love that he starts with the water. What was the problem with Israel? It was the water. They always had a water problem. They were thirsty. They were in the wilderness. They were in the desert. They were thirsty. That's where problems got sideways with God, right? I mean, that's where they grumbled with Moses and said, why did you lead us out of Egypt? We're thirsty here. Can't you just give us something to drink? Moses produced water from a rock. He had to do it several times for them because they just were thirsty. They were in a barren place. They were in the wilderness. They were in a place that said was waterless. It was a place where it talks about venomous snakes and scorpions. It was a place uh, of challenge. It was wilderness for 40 years. And here we are in this moment. Jesus is, or Jesus, Moses is saying to them, it's time for something good. Remember that promise you heard about that you forgot about because it's been so long since the promise was made? Remember that place that we were almost got to go into, but we got scared because there were giants there? Like it's coming. The promise is about to be fulfilled is what, Jesus, what Moses is saying to, to Israel in Deuteronomy. The promise is about to be fulfilled. Get ready because we're about ready to inherit the promise that, that, that I made to you. That's what's happening in, in this book. Some will say, Pastor, it's Easter. Let's get to Easter. Okay. The reality is up until Easter, we've been living in wilderness. Up until the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, we have been living in wilderness. A wilderness that was defined by sin, a wilderness that is defined by sickness, and a wilderness that is defined by death. A wilderness that we could not find complete forgiveness until Jesus Christ went to Calvary, until he died in atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the wilderness in which we've been living in. That's the wilderness in which some of us continue to live in. Apart from the cross of Jesus Christ, we are in the wilderness. Apart from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we remain in that place of venomous snakes, in that place of scorpions. That's where we are, in a place that's dry and barren, a place that is defined by sin and death. But what happened? The cross. Jesus came out of the grave. The assurance of death, that wilderness, is defeated. But now we have the promise of eternal life with him. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared. They went to the tomb. That's where they laid Jesus after the cross. This is our Easter verse. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about, wondering, not wandering, wondering 
about this, suddenly two men in clothes that, were, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he rose again. That fact is imperative for where we are today. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus Christ was put in the, in the tomb as a dead man who died on the cross. On the third day, he came up out of that tomb alive. That fact is imperative for our faith. Without that fact, our faith means nothing. It says that in the book of, of 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 15. Without the resurrection, our faith is futile is what the scripture says. There's something imperative about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus proved that he raised from the dead. He said to them, this is after he's appearing, he shows up to the disciples. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, in the Psalms. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. In repentance, I love this, because this is where we're living now. Repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, we get to come out of the wilderness through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus didn't just appear to the disciples. He wanted people to know that he was alive. Isn't this a weird stage? Like Jesus has been put in the grave. He dies. And then there's these 40 days where Jesus is just going around, like, showing up, appearing to people. The amazing thing is, like, today we wrestle with the resurrection more than they did in the early church. Like, scholarly, we wrestle with the resurrection of Jesus Christ more today, even in scholarly circles, than they did with the early church. Why? Because Jesus appeared to so many people, it would be easy to say whether or not he lied. I was take, I'm taking my New Testament, my survey of the New Testament class, and I was reading a book, and, and the one guy said, some people said Jesus wasn't totally dead when they put him in the grave. And so when he came out of the grave, that's how he was still appearing to people. Well, I've got to guess with all that Jesus went through, it's not going to be very compelling for this dude that's limping and just, just about dead coming and saying, I'm alive. Right? I mean, that's what they were saying. Like, he wasn't totally dead, so that's how he got up. He got up and somehow he managed to push the stone away and he was appearing to people. Well, he would have been a pretty rough example of, of the resurrection power of God at that point. I don't think he would have made a compelling argument that he, he rose from the dead. Remember the others said that the disciples were going to steal Jesus. That's what they came up with. I think it's in the book of John you read that. Like, we'll just, we'll just spread this rule that the disciples showed up and, and they stole Jesus' body. But those same disciples that they say stole Jesus' body, guess what they did? They died. They died for the resurrected Christ. Like, there was something that changed. Look at Peter's life. Where was Peter before the resurrection? He was denying Christ after the resurrection. What was he doing? He was proclaiming Jesus Christ is alive. Look at what he did. For what I received, I passed on to you uh, as of first importance. This is Paul. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom were still, are still living, though some have fallen asleep. That means they died. 
He appeared to James, then all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. Paul, Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, hey, listen, you guys know people. They experienced the resurrected Christ. Just go talk to them. He appeared to all these people. As, as believers in Christ, we must know with certainty the resurrection of Christ. Like I said, it's imperative to our faith. This is good. I'm going to read this because it's in red. As believers in Christ, the death of Christ is our path out of the wilderness. And the resurrection of Christ is God's promise fulfilled in us. I'm going to say that again. The death of Christ is our way out of the wilderness. Today's sermon is that we are to come out of the wilderness. That's what I believe God wants his people. That's what I believe God wants to speak to us today, that we can come out of the wilderness. We come out of the wilderness through the death of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the promise of God that he wants to fulfill in us. The the Israelites, they came out of the wilderness, and where did they go? Thank you. The promised land is where they went. I believe that for us today, the message is that we come out of the wilderness and God has a promised land for us to live in. I'll say amen. When we look at the resurrection, Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? By no means. We're no longer those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Listen to what this verse says. In order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. As believers in Christ, when we identify with the resurrection of Christ, it's our assurance of the promise of new life. That just as we identify with Jesus Christ's death through baptism, just as we're identifying with his death through the forgiveness of our sins, we're identifying with his resurrection, which means that we have the assurance, the promise, the fulfillment of new life. Child of God, you should expect new life. You should expect to no longer be in the wilderness. You should expect to no longer be under the authority of sin and death. You should expect new life. He says that we're a new creation in Jesus Christ. What was is gone. I'm celebrating. I'm identifying with the resurrection of Jesus Christ by the new life that is mine in him. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like him. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will be live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again, and death no longer has mastery over us. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have new life. It's our promise through him. I have new life. When I celebrate, when we think about Easter, it should be a reminder of the new life that is yours in Jesus Christ. It should be a reminder that the, that the, the, the whole of sin, 
Sin that in our lives, what does Scripture say sin does? Sin separates us from God, right? Ultimately, where does sin lead? Death. That's an eternal death. That's eternal separation from God. That's this word hell that sometimes we don't like to say anymore. That's where sin leads. But that has been done away with, and I've identified with the death of Christ, saying that my sin has now been forgiven. I'm no longer under that authority. Now I'm living a new life. Does it mean I live a perfect life? No, but it means I'm living a new life in Jesus Christ. And sin no longer has authority over me. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought up from death to life. Offer every part to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin, listen, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What does the resurrection mean to us today? Today, the resurrection means that I'm a new creation. Today, the the resurrection means that there's a fulfilled life, a promised life for me to live in. There's a promised land for you to live in. There's a promise that God has for, for who he made you, who he formed you to be, that he desires for you to live in. It's a promise that we remember as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we get to come out of the wilderness, that we get to come out of that sin and death, as we get to come out of the guilt and condemnation that we've been living in. And then what do I get? First Peter talks about identifying with the resurrection of Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In mercy, He's given us new birth, that's new life, into a what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Into an inheritance that never perish, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I mean, it sounds like Moses again. We're not talking about streams and waters, but he's talking about a a, a living hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. It's a hope that what? It's an inheritance that can never perish, that can never spoil, that can never fade. He's saying, hey, there's a promised land for you guys. There's a place where you can have hope, where there's power, right? The power of God will protect you. You You'll be shielded by the power of God until the coming of, of salvation. And all this greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come to prove the genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire. May result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I said there's new life in the resurrection. That new life should produce in us an inexpressible hope or a a, a living hope that, that results in inexpressible and glorious joy. This should be the most joyous place in the world. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we should be the most joyful people. And it's joy that doesn't make sense. It's inexpressible. It's glorious joy that he wants for us. It's the product of the resurrection in our life. We have a living hope. That living hope is Jesus Christ. He is alive. If he's alive, guess what? I'm going to be alive. 
Even though I may die, I have the promise of eternal life, a promise that, that cannot be taken from me. What can separate me from the love of God? There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nothing in all creation can separate me from his love. We should be a people of hope and joy. said, through the resurrection, we have living hope. Is your hope alive? What else about the resurrection? We get to come out of the resurrection identifying with new life and living hope. And listen to what Ephesians chapter... Chapter 2 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. What did God do? What does it say about the resurrection then? God did what? He raised us up with Christ and he seated us where? Huh? Where? In heaven. God raised us up with Christ. See, that's the resurrection of Christ. He raised us up with him and seated us with him where? In the heavenly realms. And I will tell you, for us, in our, in our, in our, in our carnal mind, in our fleshly mind, that's a hard concept for us to understand. That must be a future event that God is talking about, right? I mean, that's what we think. That's how we perceive this because it's hard for us to understand. What did Jesus preach about more than anything else in his scripture? The kingdom of God. Jesus, he would often say the kingdom of God is like. Jesus brought about through the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the revelation of the kingdom of God in this world. Jesus kept saying, the kingdom of God is coming, right? That's what he said. Up until the resurrection of God, and then what was revealed? The kingdom of God that is revealed today in us. That's how we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. The resurrection means that I get to live in the kingdom of God. In order that in the coming ages, guess where we're living We're in coming ages. That's the time in which we're living. What does he desire to do? That he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Because we become a new creation. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. We have a living hope. It's not that this is of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works so no one can boast because we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? When? Now? Which God prepared for us to do. You see, we come out of the wilderness and we come into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, that's powerful. I was once living in the wilderness. 
I was once living a life in which I didn't know the promises of God. I was once living a life where I was separated from him. I was separated from the works that he wanted me to do. But today, because of my faith in Jesus Christ, in this moment, while I'm standing on this, this platform, while I'm preaching to you, when I go home today, guess where I am? I'm seated with him in the heavenly realms because I've come into the kingdom of God. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the living hope that we have, that we're no longer part of this world, but we're, Peter describes us as aliens or strangers in this world. Our, our allegiance, it's not to the things of this world. Our allegiance is to God. I'm now in his kingdom. That's the assurance of the resurrection. Yeah, I once was. It might have been 40 years. It might have been 14 years, but there was wilderness that I lived in. Some of us might be living in wilderness today. Some of us might be living in that place where, where it just seems like death. It seems like, like dry. It seems like drought. It seems like there's nothing for us. The word that God has for you today is that there's a kingdom. A kingdom that Jesus Christ introduced. A kingdom that that he brought to this earth that we are a part of today. Yes, it's not fully revealed until he comes back, but we're a part of the kingdom of God today. We should be kingdom living people. Kingdom living people have new life. They have living hope. They have inexpressible and, and glorious joy. They have riches that don't make sense to people around them. They may not be the smartest, they may not be the wealthiest, and they may not be the most athletic, but they've got eternal riches. He said gold is going to be worthless someday. Right? It's going to fade. But your salvation, the promise of eternal life that God has given you, the assurance of the forgiveness of sin that once had defined you as one who would live in eternal separation from God. The assurance that, that Jesus Christ did die and that we identify with his death so that we can live with him today. We should be living in the kingdom of God now. Why wait for it to come later? Let me tell you, if you're not living in the kingdom, you're apart from him. Scripture says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Lord of what? A kingdom. If you're not living in his kingdom, he can't be your Lord. We've come out of the wilderness and we've come into his kingdom. There was a word, uh, if you're new to our church or if this was a different thing during worship, Angie spoke in tongues and she had an interpretation that came follow that. That's, you can see that in the book of Corinthians. You can see it in, in the book of Acts. It's something that happens in the church. In the word that she spoke, I don't know if you guys remember, I usually have us repeat it, but I didn't want to because I wanted to save it because it fit really well, like in my sermon, so I was just saving it for impact. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. He gets the credit, right? It was him, not me, not Angie. Uh, he gets the credit. Anyway, uh, what did she say? Do you remember? I see a lot of you have been walking on this path of uh, a dry path or a broken path or a troubled path, right? And then what did you say? 
She said before that, through the cross, there's victory. Because greater is he. Yeah, God did it in three minutes. It takes me 30. Okay, give me a break. We always read these at funerals, but today I want to read them. In 1 Corinthians, this is a a, a chapter, if you want to read on the resurrection, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's filled with it. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death was wilderness. Promise of God is victory. Death was swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, I want to tell you this morning that living in in the kingdom of God is victorious living. It's the word that God spoke to us in worship. Yes, sometimes we live in wilderness. Yes, sometimes we lived apart from God, but we have been called from that place. Can you imagine how foolish it would have been for Israel to go into the promised land and drink some of them abundant streams and eat some of that good bread and grab a few pomegranates and say, hey, let's go camp out in the wilderness now. Can you imagine how foolish that would seem? But why do we treat the promised land like that today? Like, hey, I want to go be a part of the kingdom because because it's a good day for it. Like it's Sunday, so it's kingdom of God day. Let's go be a part of the kingdom. Let's go have victory. Now let's go find some snakes and scorpions. Yes! Like, why do we do that? The resurrection of God is true. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is fact. We should be living in the kingdom of God this day and every day. The fullness of that kingdom revealed to us through the resurrection. You guys can come forward. Good luck. I want to read verse 57. Maybe you guys could read this with me. We can go back. Let's read this together. Because this is kingdom living. Ready? We're going to start. But thanks be to God. We'll try this again. You guys are going to read this with me because I want us to all believe this today. Can we say thanks be to God? Okay, that's good. All right, now let's try this. We got our, we got our voices working. Just making sure. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone needs to repeat that stuff, that phrase to yourself this morning. Someone needs to hold on to that phrase today. The reality is that we have new life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That not only do we have new life through His resurrection, but we have a living hope that is Jesus Christ. We have a living hope that we will have an eternal home with Him. We have a living hope that He has revealed His kingdom to us now. 
And that today I get to live in the kingdom of God. No one should leave here without taking the kingdom of God with you. No one should leave here not knowing that you're a part of his kingdom. You know what? And if you don't know that, find someone who can help you get there. I'll tell you, the way is the cross, remember? The way to the promise, and this is God's promise for his people. This encapsulates the message of the Gospels. We're going to look at the kingdom of God over the next several weeks in church, but it's kingdom living that we should be a part of. If you don't know how to get there, Jesus Christ is the way. We acknowledge our wilderness. We say, yes, I recognize I was in the wilderness. I recognize that that wilderness isn't where I want to be. And God's made a promise. I want to tell you, his promise for you is through his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whosoever believes in him would not die, but have everlasting life. That's not just a general who. That's God loved you enough that he sent his son for you, that you would not have to die, but have eternal life, that you would have a way out of the wilderness that is, that is yours, that's through Jesus Christ, a promised land for you. Let me tell you, there's a land flowing with milk and honey. But it's up to me. I'm guessing when Moses died and Joshua started to lead them into the promised land, some of them could have said, nope, I'm staying. And you know what I bet Joshua said? Peace out, I'm going. Right? He might have tried to convince them, but if they didn't want to come... It's their choice. That's free will. That's what God's given us all. We all have the opportunity to choose. You get to choose. I get to choose. We get to choose. It's your choice. This morning, as as they close in in a song that I think is going to be a little bit more upbeat, we're still going to have an opportunity to pray. And if you say, Pastor, I don't know about this promised land, but I want to learn about it, I'll be here to pray with you or find someone next to you that can help you get there. All you got to know is that, that I've, been, I, I've had sin, sin bad. I need Jesus. Jesus is good. I want to proclaim that he's Lord, and I want to live in his promises. He raised the dead. And then guess what? You got the kingdom of God and the fulfillment of the kingdom of God in you. Father, this morning I thank you for our time. And I thank you for this word. I thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, we can identify with him in the wilderness, but we can also identify with him in his resurrection. And, God, in this place, I pray that we can remember that we have come out of wilderness and we have come into his kingdom. And that for us this day, God, that we would live in the assurance of the kingdom of God, that we would be new life, that we would have new life, that we would have living hope in the kingdom of God today. God, if there's any that doesn't, if there's anyone who doesn't know, if there's anyone who's wondering, God, if they're still in the wilderness, if there's anyone who is wrestling with how to get out of this mess in which they're living, God, I pray that, that, that you would lead them to the place they need to be, to the person they need to talk to, to the position they need to be in so they can be in your kingdom. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to you and we ask you to accomplish your works in Jesus' name. Amen. Before they start, I'll be up here to pray too if you've got a need in your life. I never want anyone to leave without praying for a need because we believe in the kingdom of God. God meets our needs. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened.
as a pastor, I'll be up here with, to pray with you for needs as well. But if you want to talk to someone about the kingdom, I'm up here for that also. He's alive, amen? That's true, amen? It means you have new life, living hope, and you're in the kingdom, amen? amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you live new life with living hope in his kingdom. Amen? Happy Easter.